MTA's going to open up. Salaya's going equally as well on the outside. They turn the bend together. They skip off the corner at the 275 and kiss on all four cheeks. It's starting to hunt them down. She's closing in, but Salaya kicks. Salaya down to the 150. It got away from kiss on all four cheeks. MTA followed then by Western Empire, but it's Salaya racing away the filly and goes on to win. Salaya scored in great order. Mervyn will guide them for home. At the top of the home straight, they balance up. It's Mervyn by two, Caracapo. Now being called upon from Saracino. Maginica getting a run through. Yeah, Dardy is down the outside with his run as well. He's coming and so is Platoon on the extreme outside with a brilliant finishing run. Here comes Platoon at Yeah, Dardy. Yeah, Dardy, Platoon, Platoon reaches the lead from last. And Platoon has got their first up from Yeah, Dardy and Cryptic Love. Welcome to the Western Mail Racing Podcast. On the show we discuss all things Perth racing and preview the Saturday Metro meeting. We'll also be interviewing industry participants but first, it's over to Mike Johnson to get us underway. Yes, g'day and welcome back to another episode of the Western Mail. It's episode 58 this week and we're back to Ascot after Pinjarra Magic Millions Day last weekend. We've got two listed races on the card this Saturday. We've got the listed Challenge Stakes and the listed Cyril Flower Stakes back at Ascot. Uh, it's a nine-race card that looks like a really good one on paper. Cracking day weather-wise as well. So we will get cracking with a recap of the selections from last week's meeting down at Pinjarra. It was a pretty tough day, all told. Uh, we had put up Watch Me Nene in race number four on Twitter, a bit of a late sort of mail. Uh, he ran unplaced, unfortunately. Uh, race number five, Sokoff, was unplaced after playing up in the gates uh, before the jump was very quickly vetted and passed fit. Uh, but then post-race uh, did have some abrasions on her legs, I believe. Uh, ran unplaced after trying to get to the lead, couldn't quite get there. Uh, but then looked to fight on okay, but just the last probably 100 metres just gave up the ghost, really. Uh, then race number six, uh, my lay of the day, I'm pretty. Uh, managed to get $6.80 in run there, which was nice after being double figures uh, prior to the jump. So that was good to get that. Just never looked likely. Um, so, yeah, good to get that, as I say. Uh, spin the night was a really interesting one. Ran unplaced in the three-year-old Magic Millions race. Didn't appear to jump with them, was maybe half a step slow. So didn't lead. Uh, but I, pre-race, I thought that was probably ideal for him, but he just appeared to resent being in that position. So obviously not used to being in that position. So uh, yeah, I think ran fifth or sixth in the end, but uh, great ride by Paddy Carberry on Pixie Chicks anyhow. So uh, take nothing away from him. And then in the last, we had Sun Sun, uh, ran unplaced. Uh, he did pull up lame immediately after though or in the aftermath. So perhaps excuses there, but they just let Claire Boyd get away with absolute murder there. And as soon as she kind of strolled, she jumped with them for once and went straight to the front. And uh, when there was no challenge, no pressure, well, it was pretty much all over, uh, even that early on. So disappointing end to the day. Um, and some also some sad news uh, out of the Geisel Park mile with Beret uh, suffering bleeding. Uh, now, she is to be retired, according to the stewards' report. So um, quite sad because she just started to 
string some really good wins together, uh, including a listed and, and a group three success. So uh, still only five or six years old, I believe. So yeah, pretty sad for the connection. So really feel for them. And uh, shout out to Lawrence Torpy if you're listening, mate. Um, yeah, we were thinking of Barrow, but hope, hopefully she can live out a long and happy life uh, as a broodmare. So with the recap done from last week's meeting, we'll have a look at the track set up for this Saturday. We're on another good four and the rail is at nine metres for Saturday. Expecting to see runners with cover back in the field uh, excelling under these conditions. Uh, but as always, need to really keep a close eye on the first few races in case anything different might be happening. But with the weather forecast of, of around 28 degrees, uh, with strong west to southwesterly winds in play between 25 and 35 kilometres an hour. Uh, yeah, we should see them running on uh, from the middle to the outside part of the track as the day progresses. So um, going to start off in race number four. It's the Crown Perth Handicap to no Metro win last year over 1,000. And I was quite impressed with Timescale's return last time out. She was 6 of 12 in a 66-plus race at this track and trip. Settled off midfield in the run there before producing a really solid last 600 split, 33.81. Uh, she did improve her finishing position in the run home there. And on a day that saw quite a few leaders uh, dominating, uh, didn't think she was disgraced at all. Uh, was one of a few horses to make ground on the day um, and much more favourable conditions this time around as well. I think she can improve uh, panels on that first up run. Does step down slightly in class. I do expect, though, there to be plenty of speed uh, from the likes of Express Time, some sort, Kelvin, and even Cramden all going forward. Possibly even Born to Rule as well from widest out may well go forward. Uh, Paddy Carberry's on for us here. Could possibly land a tad closer as a result with all that speed. And with a really respectable second up record, I think she can be getting over the top of them late with even luck. So I was keen to back time scale to win in race number four. So we'll have a look at the first of the features. Uh, it's race number five, the listed challenge stakes over 1,500 metres. And he's incredibly short tricks of the trade, but this horse is going places. I mean, uh, impossible to see him getting beaten off his last few runs, to be honest. I did smash them over the 1,200 first up, over three and a half lengths on that occasion. And last time out down at Pinjarra in that Breeders' Classic, um, a listed race, did enough without dominating. Uh, they tried to slow it down, turn it into a bit of a, a late sprint, but uh, he was still too good. And one with a little bit in hand. So to me, that suggested that he's still got plenty in his locker and the extra 100 metres lonely suit. Maps a treat as well. Uh, only really hear me sing and let's deal, I think, are the, are the two leaders in this race. So I think you can more or less sit behind them in the run here and draw plenty of cover, uh, you know, take cover from that headwind down the back section and then peel out around the home turn. Uh, en route to another likely victory, opened $1.50, got out to $1.55, is currently around $1.45, so impossible to back at that price, but uh, sure to include uh, in any multis that you've got going on the day. And I would even take him one out in your early bodies uh, if that's the way you want to play. So tricks of the trade in race number five. So we'll move along to the eighth now, the other feature of the day, the listed cereal flower stakes over the 1,200 metres. 
Uh, no Miss Conteki here after her third place in the scenic glass, but we do have that winner from the scenic glass in Hot Zed, uh, as well as a returning kiss on all four cheeks. We've got coming around back in WA after a Victorian sojourn with Brent Stanley, uh, back with Grant Williams now, and Triple Missiles back after a short freshen up as well. I do expect the early speed, though, to come from this or Tester and Caracapo. Uh, we've also got Hot Zed and Icy Red. Icy Red likely to lob in behind those. Uh, next in midfield, I think we should see Long Beach and Gemma Sun, uh, along with Kiss on all four cheeks and coming around. And then out the back, I think we'll more than likely see Cryptic Love, Triple Missile and Amasinus. And based on the expected track positions, really hard to go past the Simon Miller super sub here in Amasinus. Uh, and that is pronounced Amasinus, not uh, Amasinus as she was called pretty much from uh, pillar to post uh, first up. But it was a huge run in that scenic glass stakes. Uh, was tracking around midfield, just behind the speed even in running. Uh, was second behind Hot Zed. Uh, gave him a kilo and a half there as well, but they made it level weights this time around. And I just thought the effort first up was huge, considering it was straight into a listed grade and uh, with a really good second up record, I think she can go on better here. Does remain at the 1,200, uh, but has won two and placed once from four runs second up. And even though she'll be probably further back in the run here than she was first up, I think the conditions to suit here, uh, back to her usual racing pattern, and the speed will be on. So I think as long as Chris Parnham can avoid any traffic issues, uh, they can be having the really very last crack at them here and getting a, a decent price to find out each way, six and 220. So keen to be on Amasinus in race number eight. Going to throw up one in the last as well, race number nine here. It's the Fit to Travel Handicap, the benchmark 66 plus over the 1600. And one from the Steve Wolfyard in Sowar. Thought he was really good first up when fourth of nine in this class of 1400 at Ascot. Uh, this son of Seapoy landed last in running on that occasion, but did produce a really nice finish to the race, which is over three lengths behind Bernie to survive, but did run a 34-29 last 600, which was the fastest of the entire race in the process. So I think he can take nice improvement from that into this second up assignment where the extra furlong will suit uh, as well, uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken neck, or the expected conditions in play. Paul Harvey jumps on, and I think from the five gate, he does have options to be somewhat positive uh, and not take so all, all the way back to last in this capacity field. I think that could be the key here, 16 runners at the moment. So if he is somewhat positive, maybe lands midfield. Uh, that would be ideal, even just behind midfield. So uh, has placed three from four when second up, and I think with even luck, it's not if he can avoid traffic uh, and is not set a too big a task in the run home, then can definitely be coming home with a wet sale and we're getting around $11.360 to find out. So keen to be on so war in the last. So that pretty much wraps up the preview this week. As always, if you've been enjoying the content, don't forget to give us a follow over on Twitter at Western underscore mail. Also on Facebook at TWM pod, that's the handle. And don't forget for all your race uh, recaps, thewesternmail.wordpress.com. Uh, and if you are enjoying or you want to subscribe to the podcasts, the show is available across all podcast platforms. 
So just search Western Mail Racing wherever you get your podcast from, and that should pop up pretty quickly. And we've also got a YouTube channel as well at Western Mail Racing. So plenty of ways to enjoy the content, to get involved, so make sure you don't miss any further shows. But that's been episode 58 of the Western Mail. Big thanks for your time and your company. Best of luck with your punting on the weekend, and here's to a few winners. Bye for now. Beret making its move now for Johnston Porter. Over on the inside, waiting for the run to come away as Chile is hot at the top of the home straight. La Farola is there, followed by playing Marika. Dance music tested by Salaya Beret, though claims them both inside the 200. Races to the lead, Beret. Beret kicks clear, playing Marika down the outside, charging home. It's Beret being lifted to the line by Johnston Porter. There's his fourth, and she wins the Latrice. Beret, too good.